Hi, and welcome to the Feminization Boudoir Podcast. I am your host, Kylie Gable, and this week we have a new episode. Uh, Miss Jen Davis is reading a story that only came out like three weeks ago called Birthday Spankings, and uh, it's a commission. Uh, I love commissions. Usually, for a discounted price, um, I will, you know, create a story, and if I can use it, I, I don't charge very much, because then I can... Uh, publish it myself and uh kind of get paid twice so if you get paid twice you don't need to get paid as much either time um but this story um i think you'll like it's about a guy who is kind of lonely at work and the popular women take him under their wing um but there's a catch and uh that catch seems to be feminization miss jen is kind of the expert on spanking so there's a pretty good spanking scene in here and in general, I think you like the story. So it's called Birthday Spankings, and uh, written by me, and narrated by Miss Jen Davis. The other girls drowned out my protest by loudly singing, Happy Birthday to You. Affecting the breathy, seductive tone Marilyn Monroe made famous when she serenaded John F. Kennedy. Instead of Mr. President, though, they crooned, Miss Marcy, much to my embarrassment. I struggled with the urge to walk out, but then I realized I wouldn't get far in boxers and a t-shirt. The three women stared at me intently, in eager anticipation. I kept shaking my head no, but my resistance was already shaken. Any defiance I might have had broke when Bridget said, You will model your new presence for us right now, Marcy, or else you can go, and we'll all pretend we never met you. Until that moment, I hadn't realized just how magical the evening had been, or even how much I was starved for human compassion. Like a man who didn't know how famished he was until he had a crust of bread, I was suddenly completely and desperately overwhelmed with a driving need for kindness and attention from these women. Any attention at all. I longed to stay in their company and crave their companionship. I hoped that with time I could nurture a deep relationship with them, maybe even a romance with one of them. So what if I have to honor them by wearing a few articles of female clothing, I asked myself. How bad could it be? How little I knew. This one small decision was about to set me on a new, daunting path. But at the time, all I knew was that these gorgeous women were offering me a simple choice. Wear brawn panties and stay as friends with them, or refuse and lose their connection forever. I chose to stay. They insisted I stay in the room with them while I changed into my birthday presents. They hummed a body striptease tune while they watched me strip off my shirt and boxers until I stood naked before their teasing glances. In so doing, I changed my life forever. The panties were easy enough to put on, although they were intoxicatingly tight around my cock and balls. The bra was another matter entirely, as I'd never even held one in my life, much less worn one. Bridget had to help adjust the thin straps and then fasten the clasp behind my back. The feeling was entirely new to me. 
an almost paralyzing sensation of helpless imprisonment washed over me as I shivered before the giggling girls, dressed only in unmistakably feminine garments. Worse, Jazz noticed that the bra had pulled the fat on my chest into a convincing semblance of a most inviting womanly cleavage. She pointed this out, and the rest of the women cooed at me and remarked about my sexy feminine figure. I was absolutely mortified. I staggered and looked for a place to sit down, feeling flushed and dizzy with embarrassment. Jazz made a space between her and Izzy on the couch. I gratefully accepted, only to quickly regret my decision when they suddenly moved back together. The combined motions left me face down, lying over Jazz's lap. The three women began a concerted effort of friendly cajoling, with them all agreeing that I needed to get my birthday spanking once and for all. Bridget said, Come on, Jazz. Give him a good one. Make it count. The playful tone in her voice made me sigh, and when Jazz grabbed my butt, I quivered in response. How many spanks, she asked. Izzy looked me right in the eye and said, Why not twenty-one? One for every year. Oh, and one more for good luck. Her voice was heavy with humor and also something else? Arousal? Her pupils seemed dilated, as if this situation was turning her on. You know what they say about the quiet ones, I thought to myself. I still couldn't believe they would actually spank me. I was a grown man, not a child. This was unthinkable. They had to be joking. And Jazz's hand slapped my ass hard. I sucked in the air in shock. That's one, Jasmine chirped. That's two, three, and four. The girls all chimed together, giggling. By now, my ass cheeks were burning. It hurt. I started to protest. Okay, girls, that's quite enough. I... But I never got to finish my sentence, says... <laughs> Jasmine's hand struck rapidly, moving from one side to the other as the girls chanted. Five, six, seven, eight, nine... Ten, eleven. Eleven, Jazz repeated. Halfway done. Halfway, I was in torment. I'd never felt such pain mixed with humiliation in my life. And I began begging, my voice wavering, my nose sniffling. Oh, my God, Izzy said. Do you think he's going to cry? No way, said Chess. He may be kind of a femboy, but he's not a little girl. What do you want to bet? asked Bridget. Fifty dollars, says he cries. You're on, said Chess and Izzy at once. Fine, yeah, but you take over, Bridge, said Jazz. My hand is stinging. Not as much as Marcy's pink little ass, said Izzy, staring at my suffering backside as I struggled not to cry. Bridget took her place on the couch as Jazz and Izzy placed me across her knees. In my mind, I was cursing at my cowardice, my paralysis. Why don't you just get up and leave, I demanded of myself. Walking home in a bra and panties couldn't be worse than this. But deep inside, I knew what was worse of all, my previous lonely life. 
After all, I thought, I can survive a spanking, even if it happens once a year. Bridget was ruddy. She had a $50 bet from Izzy and an equal amount wagered by Chess for a total of $100 at stake. There was no way she was going to lose. I sadly learned, as she laid into me even harder than Jazz had. Her hand struck, drawing yelps, grunts, and shrieks from my tattered ego in response. She said, stop wriggling, you naughty girl. I blushed, my cheeks as bright red as the screaming skin of my ass. That's twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, Jess counted. Seven more to go. Again and again, Bridget slapped down mercilessly as I struggled to keep some semblance of composure. I will not cry. I will not cry, I vowed to myself, barely clinging to my last shred of dignity. Wow. Eighteen, and he's still not crying, said Izzy. Only three left, she added, in a tone of awe that made her words sound almost like a prayer. But Bridget, the sweet, smiling, lovely Bridget, wasn't finished. She wound up and spanked with all her might in rapid succession. I couldn't take it any more. I couldn't hold out a second longer. I felt completely defeated as a strangled sob escaped my throat, followed by swiftly flowing tears and soft whining. Bridget positioned my head onto her shoulder and whispered, Oh, poor baby. You poor, poor baby. This even as I hyperventilated and sobbed softly into her embrace. From that point on, much of the evening was a blur. I remember Bridget demanding that I admit I was crying, which I refused to do. Then she sent me to stand in the corner, forbidden to touch my inflamed ass. Izzy made it clear to all just how badly this had all gone for me, saying, Bridget, you beast! Look how bright red his ass is! The girls all remarked on this with amusement. Jazz said, I bet he won't be able to sit for a week. She left the room and returned with a bag of frozen peas, which she let me use to soothe my tortured flesh. I applied the cold bag gingerly, careful to avoid making the pain even worse. Before very long, the girls summoned me from the corner to stand before them. Sitting with a throbbing pain was out of the question. "'We've noticed how you look at us at work, Marcy,' said Chess in a firm but compassionate tone. I tried to interrupt her, but she just hissed at me and continued. "'While we all like you, as a friend, none of us sees you as boyfriend material.' More like girlfriend material, Jazz chirped, giggling and pointing at me, standing there in nothing but a sexy, hot pink satin bra and panty set. I looked at myself and blushed at the situation. Yes, I sort of understood that these incredibly attractive women were out of my league. Still, I was absolutely humiliated to be having this extremely embarrassing friend zone talk with a group of pretty girls while I was dressed in emasculating pink satin lingerie, especially after they'd seen me spanked to the point of crying like a little girl. I felt hot, burning tears forming in the corner of my eyes again. 
Hey, now, don't cry, Marcy. There, there, said Bridget, gently tracing along my bra straps with her soft fingertips, bringing tingling goosebumps all over my body. You're being such a good sport. I know you hated me spanking you, but I'll bet you like being across my lap. Yeah, that's true, Jazz agreed. I mean, she never even tried to stop the spanking or struggled to get away from me either, and the way she was squirming was very entertaining. Sorry Bridge made you cry, Marcy, but you have to understand that she's super competitive and... And yeah, I'm sorry I kind of got carried away, said Bridget, her perpetual smile fading into a pensive apologetic expression for a moment before she perked up again. Speaking of which, there's the matter of the original bet, and since we know you're a gentleman, and you're also the reason Jazz lost, surely you're willing to cover the stakes of the bet for her. I looked from Bridget's smiling face to Jazz's somewhat edgier grin. The latter wore a most unnerving expression that made me feel very vulnerable, especially standing there dressed in sexy lingerie, with my butt still bright red, and stinging from the firm and humiliating spanking at their hands. Yeah, since you made me lose the bet, I think that's only fair, Jazz said in a breathy voice, laden with sexual tension. What, what are the stakes, I asked still somewhat stunned by the strange, painful, and excruciatingly embarrassing turn the evening had taken. I began softly, unconsciously, rubbing my stinging red rear end. Never mind that, Jazz said, somewhat sternly. Are you a stand-up person who we'd enjoy spending time with, or are you a little jerk whose company we can definitely do without? I'm still not 100% sure what came over me, but there I was. I stood there humiliated and sore, before some of the most beautiful and fascinating women I'd ever met. Yes, they teased me and sort of physically abused me, but even so, the thought of being one of their gang was too alluring for me to refuse. After all I've already been through, why should I quit now? Even if that meant settling some dare. So what? The worst had to be over by now. I mean, how bad could it be? I assured myself before saying, Yeah, of course. Count me in. Oh, how foolish I was. Looking back, however, I'm sure I'd make the same decision again. The stakes of the bet would have been simple and easy for Jazz to fulfill, but they were excruciatingly emasculating and embarrassing for me. The gang had decided that she was too tomboyish and had bet her that if she lost, she'd have to take a specific step each week toward a more feminine appearance. I agreed to take on those terms without even knowing what I'd gotten myself into. But the full gravity of the situation became clear soon enough. That night was a sort of crash course in femininity, but I still had no idea just what they'd had in mind. Looking back on it, I should have realized what these sexy, beautiful women had in store for me, but at that time I was naive and clueless. When I noticed that my clothes were gone, Bridget offered to loan me an outfit. My hostess explained, None of my jeans and slacks will fit you, Marcy, so it has to be a skirt and a top. Or maybe a dress. She showed me a few choices, 
a short, bright, red prom-type dress a teen queen might wear, a strapless silver dress, a chiffon confection fit for a flower girl, each one more feminine than the next. I ended up wearing a pink tank top that said, Girl Power, and a lavender pleated miniskirt over the brawn panty set with two-inch white pumps. The gang made me over with a wholesome but very feminine evening look, featuring slightly smoky eyes and glossy red lips. They also styled my shoulder-length dirty blonde hair into a sassy, spiky hairdo that made me look like a club girl. When they pronounced me ready, they dragged me to a bar, pun intended, saying, I hope a lot of guys hit on you. I shuddered at the prospect, but hoping to avoid exposure as a cross-dressed sissy, I did my best to emulate their feminine mannerisms. I even began speaking in a breathy voice with a higher, almost falsetto register. The girls had a riot, even as I stewed in my growing anxiety. I looked around furtively, worried that at any minute someone would point at me and laugh, or worse. Seeing how well I was fitting in, Jazz mentioned that, You were born to be a girl, Marcy. Then she began wagering with the other girls over how many guys' phone numbers I could get in an hour. To make it interesting, they promised me that each guy's phone number I got would entitle me to one article of my own clothes to wear back to my apartment. I hadn't even considered that they might send me home dressed as a girl. Getting over my shock, I flirted shamelessly until I'd gotten two phone numbers. That was just enough to win back my own pants and hoodie to wear over the borrowed girl's tank top and the sexy bra and panty set. I still had to wear the two-inch pumps. Bridget pulled me aside and handed me two articles of clothing that I'd earned. She sternly told me, I know you had fun tonight. Don't try to lie. I started to contradict her, but she shook her head tersely and continued, Just so you know, our feelings will be hurt if you don't wear your birthday presents to work tomorrow. My eyes widened in surprise. I knew these girls had enjoyed feminizing and embarrassing me, but I'd never imagined that they'd want to continue my emasculation beyond that night. Still, I felt myself getting aroused. I looked into Bridget's face. She was playfully enthusiastic and offering me the companionship I'd sorely lacked my entire life. There were no threats, and not even a hint of blackmail. There were simply conditions that, if I wanted to hang with them, I had to wear feminine underwear. At least that's how it started. As I was thinking about this, Jazz shouted over, "'Where are the birthday presents, Marcy?' We will check up on you, and while we're thinking about it, maybe you should get some more panties, preferably in a pretty pink. Oh, and maybe a nice hairless body, too, Chess added, laughing. <laughs> By that point, I wasn't sure what was serious and what was just teasing. I still held out hopes that this was all just some sort of hazing ritual, their way of welcoming me into the gang. That after this night, everything would go back to normal. But I wondered... What was normal exactly anyway? Our little party broke up, and we all went our separate ways. After all, the next day was a work day, and it was already well after midnight. I'd forgotten to wash off my makeup or restyle my hair, so I looked like a young woman wearing her boyfriend's clothes. 
That got me a lot of hungry looks and a few catcalls on the way home. Under the girl's watchful eyes, my gradual transformation out of my tomboy phase began the next day and escalated steadily every week thereafter. That weekend, Jazz took me shopping at Victoria's Secret. Shaven legs and underarms came next. Soon pantyhose became part of my daily attire, hidden underneath my work clothes. Bit by bit, the girls added a bit of makeup to my increasingly feminized look. It began with the very subtle touches, nothing that screamed drag queen or anything like that. Still, they kept adding a few more feminine aspects to my appearance. Another girly item or treatment every single week. Within a few months, a few weeks after they'd insisted that I wear a little makeup to work, they stepped it up from just light foundation and clear lip gloss at first, then more foundation and eventually adding blush, eyeshadow, and mascara. My clothing went from sort of androgynous to more and more feminine. Before I knew it, I was passing as a woman. Bridget had been promoted to assistant manager for diversity affairs within the Human Resources Department. She summoned me into her new office to discuss my transition. I waved her off laughing and felt reassured by her beaming smile. We'll put a pin in it, for now, she said with a playful wink. But I'm looking for an assistant, really more of an office girl, and I have my eye on you, Marcy. The very next day was Saturday, while we were out on a typical girl's shopping excursion. Francesca and Jasmine urged me to get really long acrylic nails. They look so good polished in a soft baby pink, Jazz said. I rolled my eyes and complained. Come on, Jazz. Just tell her this is going too far. But they reminded me that I'd taken on the terms of the bet willingly. The emasculating changes had happened somewhat slowly, but steadily they kept building it up. The girls kept me distracted with days and nights out together. I grew to depend on their supportive companionship at work and fun times on weekends, even slumber parties. The overnights were the most effective in what I now realize was a strong conditioning process. It wasn't all about hair, clothes, grooming, and makeup either. They gently critique my mannerisms from how I sat to how I should use my hands more when talking. To be totally honest, the steadily increased feminization was always humiliating, but being with these enticing women somehow made it all worthwhile. That was Birthday Spankings by myself, recorded by Miss Jen Davis. And I realized that I forgot to mention my um, co-writer at the beginning of this podcast. Usually I do a lot of my writing with uh, Claudia Costa, but she's been a bit busy lately, and Mindy Harris just stepped up and, and did more than half the writing in this particular story and just knocked it out of the park. So I really wanted to thank Mindy for the wonderful job she did on this particular story as well. Uh, check her writing out. It, it, she's got a lot of great books on Amazon. And a very high-profile fan in Dan Savage, which I just find very fascinating. So anyway... Check it out. Uh, Mindy Harris did a great job on this book, and, and check some of her other books out. Finally, just a couple of shout-outs. Um, I want to thank Arnie for renewing his subscription with this podcast. 
those subscriptions, yeah, I mean, they're not huge bucks, but they, they do mean a lot, and I really appreciate it. Um, and then the other thing, um, uh, Brenda, who uh, called one of my friends who, who works on Night Flirt, and we're just raving about the podcast, and, and she connected us, and uh, it means a lot. I When I record these things, I don't know if anybody's going to appreciate them or like them or anything. Um, I do get an idea, you know, if you're buying audios or something like that, but for the most part, I'm, I'm just, I'm hoping people are enjoying what I'm doing. So when I hear from you that you are, it really does mean a lot to me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, have a wonderful week. We are snowbound here. There's a lot of snow. One of my dogs, Tango, is loving it. My other dog, Chance, is not. And uh, as for me, I'm just living like a hermit right now. So um, I hope you have a great week and uh, be back next week because I will be. Take care.